0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences.
1: Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy at 40 Strategy. We provide strategic planning consulting to help organizations realize, and achieve their dreams. Amir, basically, we help companies create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Unfortunately, most organizations spend only about 2% of their time, about or about 40 hours, of collector hours a year, building an effective strategy. And I don't know about you, Amir, but I think that's pretty crazy. That that's how little we uh, do strategic planning. And at 40 strategy, your success is our passion. So that's why organizations call us to help. Not only do we come up with strategy, but we facilitate your teams with proven practices. Harvard research shows that when you use the right key performance indicators, it will actually help triple the success of your goals. And who wouldn't want that? So email us today at catch 40 strategycom And you can learn more by also visiting at at www.40strategy.com. First, today, do a little shout-out, and, and matter of fact, our guest helped me to remind me of this uh, before introducing, Dave, I'd like to thank uh, Senator Jeff Merkley from the state of Oregon. Um, he actually just notified my son that he has made the U.S. Naval Academy, um, and and actually, I learned, Amir, that you're actually meeting him with this week, and so thank you for that reminder, and thank you for Senator Jeff Merkley. It was quite an honor to have that uh, happen today. Uh, for, now, we're going to talk about our guest. Amir Kanji is the CEO of Biomed Diagnostics based in Southern Oregon. He's been the CEO since 2008 and also been the board director since 2002. He is also the CEO for the Global Real Estate Group based in Dubai since 2004 and Roman Holdings based in Menlo Park since 1993. You have been ultimately, Amir, a turnaround specialist uh, investing in companies who are struggling and you've helped turn them around and ultimately sell them at a better price. You, your education comes from a Bachelor of Economics and Finance and Accounting from the University of Leeds in England. And you also earned your certified public accountant in Canada. Um, On a personal side, you are a fourth generation born in East Africa with Indian and Iranian descent. And you've lived in England, Canada, and currently here in the US. And with that, Amir, thank you so much for being on the Measure Success podcast. Good morning. Good morning. So, Amir, please tell me a little bit more about, for and for our audience, about Biomed Diagnostics.
0: Biomed Diagnostics is a company that was originally founded by uh, people who had, researchers who had gone to Costa Rica. And they had worked in those, in that resource challenge area. And when they came back to the U.S., they realized what was missing in the field. They did not have electricity. They didn't have trained personnel. They did not have access to all kinds of things there. So when they came back to the U.S. after retiring from the U.S. Army, they developed numerous tests that would be applicable for the low resource countries in the world. And then they partnered with an engineer in his chemical life to develop a packaging system, which is, we have uh, you know, Biomed has patented packaging systems that enable products to be transported over several days while they still incubating. And the company was originally started in uh, San Jose, California, but eventually was moved to Medford, Oregon about 20 years ago for reasons of uh, costs, really, because it was much more effective and cost-effective to operate in, a, in Medford, Oregon than in the high-priced real estate market of uh, California. Bioman is it's, it's, its genesis is very altruistic. It has always looked upon it as some a company that is, is uh, the objective is to create products that are helpful to society at large, and particularly countries that are low resources uh, countries. So we have basically continued that m- mode of operation over the years, although the founders are now retired. We have certainly continued their 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 message of helping those who are less fortunate, so we are focused quite a bit now on developing tests for products for diseases that affect a lot of the six billion people outside who live outside of Europe and north America, and that's where some of our focus is currently uh, particularly into zoonotic diseases because we're facing a situation in the world today, for example, Ebola is a zoonotic disease, Zika is a zoonotic disease, as is, I believe, COVID-19 a zoonotic disease. So biomed is looking towards developing low-cost tests for the zoonotic diseases that are emerging from the humans expanding into the territory of the wild animals.
1: That's really interesting. and And, and so when so let's talk about that a little bit and j- diving a little bit deeper into some of these tests. Uh, you have something as scary as Ebola, right? Um, uh, that might be in an African country. How, how does the process work for them to get the test and for it to be safely be carried to a proper testing site? So then it could be understood if it actually is for those who are carrying it.
0: Well, we, we have, partnered with a lot of international agencies uh, that do work in the developing world. And we have supplied them with tests that they're using in in countries as diverse as Laos, Zimbabwe, the Congo, and other regions of the world where you have these challenges. So we supply them with these tests. We are primarily a microbiology company, which we're now gradually moving into developing low-cost molecular tests. Hopefully, uh, affordable products that people can use with the same simplicity that we have for our current products. Got it. Got
1: it. And so, and so now you have this. How long does that process take to ultimately? You you say you have a a very quick and easy way, you know, for to be able to send it to some a, a country that won't be able to do the diagnostics. How long is that process, in on average, of shipping something from Africa to a proper testing site? safely so it can get measured is it a two to three is it a week process uh, how long does that typically take
0: actually the products that we supply them have uh, the tests can be used locally and they can be transported locally for a period of five to seven days from the remote areas or the tests are delivered to a central laboratory so by the time the test comes back it is still a viable test mm. it, they don't have to send it back to us it's all a packaging system that enables a test to be Sustain while it's after it's been inoculated and and, and it's incubating in its own package system. So that's what the advantage is. For example, we currently have a, a test that we supply to a lot of public health facilities here and overseas. It is a gonorrhea test and it's administered in a lot of outlying areas. But the product has to come back to a central laboratory to determine its antimicrobial resistance, and so that trans- transition period, transportation period, enables the test to continue Im- incubating. So when it comes back to the central laboratory, it is still a viable product.
1: Got right. Wow. So you, you—that was a question I was kind of curious with. So yeah, the consumers, if you may, the the people who are benefiting from this are are people, right? Who have who are infected with some certain diseases. But are you, it sounds like you sell often to public health agencies, or those are the ones who are picking up the tab and paying uh, for these tests.
0: Yes, primarily our customers are the public health agencies. We we test, we make tests for the clinical market as well as the veterinary market. So even there, most of our customers for the veterinary products are the state agriculture labs that provide it to the
1: farmers. Oh, interesting. And so give me an example, of what, like a vet state agricultural lab, what would be an example of something like that?
0: Well, there's a disease that infects bulls across the country. Uh, and unfortunately, there's no cure for that illness that they the acquire. So once the, the agricultural laboratory send these out to the veterinarians out in the field, the test comes back. And if it's positive, unfortunately, the bull has to be sacrificed if that happens. But, uh, it's important that the bull not be traded across straight lines and also used for breeding if it's infected. So this oh, wow. is a measure of preventing further spread of the disease. And it, the bulls infect the cows and it leads to premature abortions in the co- in the cows. It leads to underweight calves, so things of that niche can be avoided by having the right the, the diseased bulls culled from the flock, from the herd rather, not flock, it's a herd.
1: Right, right. Wow, that, um, Amir, in all our discussions that we've had, um, I was not aware of that element behind it and how, so this is all about pre-testing to make sure before the breeding takes place, right, so um, it can help prevent that element behind it. And and you said that these are ultimately state agricultural labs, right, are trying to prevent the spread and they'll end up buying it and then disseminate it out to the farms, assumingly, to get the test taken care of. Is that correct?
0: Correct. That is correct. We also have another test that we have licensed from the UK, which enables a more efficient artificial insemination of cows, so that you don't waste a lot of the effort. This is predictive of the success of that insemination.
1: Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So now we, we were talking at the top. Thank you so much for providing that and giving us more detail of, uh, about what Biomed does. So What's top of mind for you right now? What, what's the biggest challenge that Biomed's facing uh, heading into 2021 and beyond?
0: The biggest challenge is to be able to hire competent personnel in the area of research in terms of you know, regulatory environment, uh, because we are a regulated company. Our clinical products have to be approved by the FDA. And most of our veterinary products are really have an oversight from the USDA. So finding the right competent people who have the experience the knowledge to manage the regulatory environment and scientists to develop tests that are affordable particularly in the low resource countries of the developing world that's is the biggest challenge we are having
1: today and um, it's interesting so what type of are you are you looking for people with specific degrees often to help provide what what's the um the characteristics, in terms from an education standpoint.
0: Yeah, we have we have on staff at the moment five PhDs, someone with varying degrees of expertise. We have someone with a very highly qualified in the field of veterinary science, chemistry, plant biology, and all those kind of uh, disciplines that are important to combine the talent together to develop products uh, that are f- affordable and efficient
1: Mm. interesting and so you have you have that challenge right and 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 currently probably some of the challenges where you're based in southern oregon right um could they exist some of these people but perhaps bringing them to to southern oregon Um, what what other type of skill sets right because there's the manufacturing of producing these uh what type of skill sets are you looking for people to help make sure that the product can get actually produced and delivered uh, to to your customers throughout throughout the world.
0: Well, production is a very key aspect of our uh, efficient production, and, and and production that results in good manufacturing practices is a critical part of our business. And also, uh, we're looking for people who are good at uh, at communications and web development and things like that, because we are now really have. We export our products to almost 70 countries worldwide, and most of that interest comes from uh, our website and our community and and social media. So we're looking for people who can assist
1: in that as well. That's excellent. And so you have you have the three things. You have research minded people, you have production related, and then you have social media parts that are all intended or required for help you to grow. So and, was, and regulatory people. And regulatory as well. Thank you. So how do you um how do you measure success with your clients? Um I guess there's two levels of it, right? There's the state departments uh, that you talked about or, or the health agencies, and then there's actually the end consumer um that's actually being able to draw from it so let let's let's go to the higher level. How does a state agency feel like that they've had success? How do you know that their their the products that they're buying from you is is developing a positive contribution to the world
0: well we have developed a reputation over the 20 plus years almost 30 years now that we provide quality products if there's any question about our quality of our products we will not supply it to them we've had that reputation built over the years and they've learned to rely on us for that they also understand that in an emergency we will turn on a dime and provide the product as urgently as necessary So we are basically a very service-oriented company, and they understand know that we will accommodate the needs that they have. Sometimes, if an urgency happens, some disease spread, all of a sudden, explodes in their faces. So we we are ready to serve that market, and that's been a success for us for them.
1: So give me uh, what would be an example of a story like that where. Uh, a client was um, or a state, a state, a country had a severe outbreak of a particular disease. How, how, give me an example of that and tell me a story about how quickly you were able to rapidly turn around the amount of tests so they can help deal with that crisis.
0: Okay. There's a disease called Trichomonas fetus that infects bulls, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, various state agencies mandated that that bulls be tested uh regularly, all of a sudden that became a big issue, the spread of that disease. And we were called upon to provide those tests in a in a great larger numbers than we had ever been making before. So we pivoted towards ordering special equipment to make the product. In a matter of three months, we were able to ramp up our production from 10X to meet, meet that demand. Mm, and wow. we've been successfully able to do that. And sub- subsequently, we also, recognize that the tests were being now conducted under molecular pages te- rather than microbiology testing. So we have developed products for that market as well to meet the need of the technology change.
1: Hmm. That is a uh, huge change in three months to be able to 10X your production development, right? To actually be able to deliver it so they can actually get to um, reducing that spread of the disease for for um, the bulls. That's That is an incredible turnaround uh, to be able to do that. And has has there been, has it been able to show to help reduce it? Have has these tests been able to? Have they been able to fend off this disease somewhat?
0: Actually, what it is is really the demand for the test went up incrementally, and Mm. we were able to meet that demand because of the state passing regulations for the bulls not to be able to cross state lines or not to be used for semen production. Got it. So, So it was really an emergency. That we were able to handle.
1: Excellent, thank you. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for clarifying that. So let's let's go to the next part here, which is which is talking about uh, you on the personal side. You have multiple different investments uh, throughout the world that you, you've been involved with. Um, how do you keep up your energy uh, to help measure, be aware of? Um, and to help drive your own personal success, so you can do the things where it takes to be successful on a day-to-day basis.
0: Well, I am one of these fortunate individuals that doesn't need a lot of sleep. I tend to sleep four or six hours a day, and I'm able to read a lot, understand a lot about what is happening in the world, in the various fields. So that's one of the things that keeps me going quite a bit. I love reading. I love music. So those things are are my personal.
1: Rest point cycle, mm-hmm. and and so uh, and we're going to talk about the reading thing here in a little bit about that type, particular question. But so when you that that's pretty crazy. So with four hours of sleep, you feel pretty comfortable to move on each day. Is that right?
0: I do, but then I also take a little sort of cat nap the middle of the day in my office. I'll sit down and close my eyes for 30 minutes and be refreshed. that's something that helps me do that.
1: Uh, you remind one of my very first um, internships I had at the University of Washington. I was actually working with the person who, who was developing uh, utility uh, services and in like telecom refund services he was doing. And he, I, he was working at his home. I went to his house and he said, Carl, I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm like, What do you mean you're going to sleep? But he turned around like 10 minutes later and was completely refreshed with his cat nap, uh, have you got that down pretty good where you can take a relatively short nap and feel completely refreshed and ready to go?
0: Absolutely, I do this almost on a regular daily basis. I will close my eyes for 15, 20 minutes in the office, put a do not disturb sign on my door, and go to sleep for 20 minutes. And then I find completely refreshed.
1: I wow. Completely I, I, I have tried that a few times. Actually, I, I have learned though, if you go past that, 30 minutes, like I, sometimes when I do get a chance to to side, I, I make sure I do wake myself up by 35 minutes, because I, I realize if I start going deeper, um, I get pretty groggy when I wake back up. Uh, and so do you, but you just naturally just wake up in that 10, 15, 20 minutes?
0: Yeah, it's been a practiced effort on my part to have done that. You know, I've I've learned to do that
1: for yeah,
0: well, many, many years.
1: Yep. Yeah. I
0: try to try to if I can't go to sleep, I'll try to meditate for 15, 20 minutes.
1: Mm.
0: That helps relax as well.
1: Right, right. So um, so you have that. So how do you I don't know if you have this, how do you measure success in your in your in your personal life? You know, you, you have this element, you you provide you have all this energy, you have all these things going on. How do you know you're in good flow, you know, on a regular basis so you can help. Uh, you feel like your your optimum is there? Is there any way that you're doing that and measuring some type of success in your own personal life?
0: Well, I I, I measure success more from a philosophical standpoint rather than a, than a you know, pecuniary standpoint. In that, I feel that if I put my head down on my pillow at night, I pray that I have not offended anybody, I've not cheated anybody, I've not and that and that I've spent my day. Doing something positive, useful for others, you know, the ethos is really in my in my faith in a way, which is I'm anchored in my faith, and the ethos of the faith is to help those who are less fortunate than you are. Mm -hmm. So I practice that as a as a daily uh, ethos, shall we say? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh I think that's. I appreciate you bringing that up because often when, when people head to this, they'll think of something specific. But this is this is much more about a being side that you're talking about, not the doing side. But on the being side, have you well, you, it's two elements behind it. One, have you, do you feel like you've done the right things, but also looking back and making sure that you, you've done the right thing and are helping others? Um, what happens when you do you have that problem? Are these the times you can't sleep when you when something has gone wrong? Uh, on a personal basis, is this something you try to remedy? If you have this thing you're doing on a regular basis, do you try to remedy that as quick as you can?
0: Yeah, you try to sort of understand that what you, you reflect on the decisions you've made and where did you make the wrong decision and then try to ameliorate that decision somehow. Either be if you've offended somebody, you've apologized to them, or if you've done something that is really, you don't repeat that same mistake is the key. You, re- you learn from your mistake and don't do that again.
1: Yeah. 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 That's
0: some more a self-reflection really.
1: Yep. Yep. No, that is uh, I, I really appreciate that. I think that's great advice uh, for those who are listening and and to have that element behind it. Well, one of my favorite questions i like to ask as we wrap up this interview Amir is uh, and you already mentioned you, you love reading. So what are some top books you could recommend to our audience?
0: One of the books I finished reading recently is called Dark Towers. It's about the Deutsche Bank and its shenanigans in the in the financial market. And you know, my background in finance has led me to read a lot about what is it that was so damaging to our economy to, during the 2008 crisis. And unfortunately, I sometimes feel that we don't learn from those mistakes and repeat them. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the interesting books I just finished reading currently I'm reading a book about the Koch industries history of the Koch Industries. They're a very successful family originated company and I am trying to understand how what made them so successful
1: mm. and and who's do you happen to know the author of that of that uh,
0: unfortunately i forget the name of the author i tend to (laughs) get deep involved in the book
1: no problem so that's really so and coach is that k-o-c-h i just want to make sure from from those who might be a very famous family K O C H.
0: I think it's pronounced i
1: i think it is i think you have it right and and um but no i i i think that's really fascinating that you're reading about because i am familiar with it but i have not read deeply myself into uh, they're particular. It's one of those um, very quietly successful organizations, right that have just yes. been incredible and um it's but they're not as well known right as a lot of some of the other brands that are out there. Right. but um, right. but I think that's that's really fascinating that you go into it. So anyway, thank you for those those two recommendations.
0: There's one and, other book that I've oh. just bought. I haven't read. it, it is Farid Zakur's book on the ten issues that I think everybody should understand what's happening to us and what was that it's called i forget the title of it is sitting on my bedside uh it's written by farid zakaria the the broadcaster Mm. quite an interesting book i bought several copies of it to give to my friends to read as well
1: oh good well um well please share with me uh that that title that specific title um when you get to that, because that's sure, that's um that sounds um, super interesting. well, uh, we've been talking with Amir kanji uh, from Biomed Diagnostics and Amir, where can people learn more about uh, your company and what you do?
0: well, we, we have a very uh, good website. It'll describes all our products and how to use them. We're also you know involved in the social media side of things uh, Facebook uh, as one of one of those websites that I believe my uh, marketing people have been working with, and of course we are we, we're known with the Southern Oregon community because we're part of the uh, Chamber of Commerce. We're uh, we've been very welcomed by the Soretti organization in in Southern Oregon, and generally we tend to do projects with with uh, Southern Oregon University. We've done a broadcast there. We've done some something about science education in schools by donating 10,000 petri dishes to the local schools and giving them microscopes so children will get excited about science. So we do our our little bit of stuff to to, you know for our community locally and at the same time uh, hopefully people will know more about us from our work that we do with international
1: agencies. Amir, thank you Thank you so much for your time and for the contributions that you provide to our listeners. And to everyone else, I want to thank you to listen to the Measure success, Measure success podcast, wishing you the very best at measuring your success.
0: Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future
1: episodes.